This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Iron. The Arizona Cardinals select Tyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is... This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Alright guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast, presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I'm your host, Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host, Dylan Reagan, and we're back here to discuss the Week 8 action uh, in the NFL. And uh, if you just look at our picks and you listen to the previous episode, not so great picks uh, for some of mm-hmm. these, but um, that's alright. We'll get into them here in a second. We also had some that, that were okay, uh, but we'll, we'll discuss those here as we go along. But uh, Dylan... Interesting uh, slate of action uh, on Sunday in the NFL, and uh, let's just start with our game of the week, Steelers-Ravens. Uh, that was one that uh, we had pegged wrong. Uh, we both picked the Ravens uh, as the winner here, and it was the Steelers getting another, just a back-to-back road wins here at the Titans, at the Ravens, and the Steelers are now 7-0, and and uh, man, they uh, they look pretty good here, rallying from behind to, to get the win, and what do you know, uh, here they are uh, as uh, an undefeated team almost midway through the season. Yeah, not good for my pick for this week, but I guess good for my <laughs> uh, pick for the Steelers to win the division, obviously, yeah. now with the two-game lead and the, the victory over the Ravens. In terms of the game, I, yeah, definitely lived up to at least, you know, how close it was being the game of the week, but man, the Steelers... Uh, in all honesty, they they got. I mean, it's it's a credit to how good their defense is. They force all those turnovers, but man, like they got outplayed in a lot of different facets of this game. On third down, they got dominated in terms of their efficiency compared to Baltimore. Uh, total yards, the Ravens with almost 240 more yards, and the, the Steelers they're moving the, the ball pretty easily. The Steelers for a lot of this game really struggled to do anything on offense until the second half, and especially those last couple of drives where they got moving the ball. It really came down to the turnovers the Steelers st- uh, were able to force and. Uh, man, they, I mean, that's just their strength. They're so, <laughs> that's what they do. I, I, you know, turnovers aren't exactly a thing that is so consistent week to week uh, that you can really count on always being the case. Uh, they did give up a lot of yards still to the Ravens. A lot of teams are going to do that. Uh, but they stepped up when they needed to and made enough plays that were able to limit uh, uh, Baltimore and, keep, and put their offense in a big place to succeed. Obviously, they had the pick six in the first drive, but also another interception that led to a really short touchdown drive. So they just did so many things to help out their offense. That's why we're, you know, going into the year really high in the Steelers, because we figured, you know, if the offense can just be good enough, this defense has a chance to be potentially dominant. 
dominant. I wouldn't say I learned that the Ravens are the second best team in this division. I still maybe, even though they lost it, you know, obviously one play goes a little differently there at the end. Uh, they're able to get uh, the victory. But, I mean, these two teams are neck and neck, two of the best teams in the AFC, and I won't be surprised if, we, you know, obviously they're going to face one more time. But I wouldn't be shocked if we saw these two teams in the divisional round or the AFC championship. They're that good uh, right there with the, the Chiefs at the top of the AFC. Yep, that that, uh, that Steelers defense is uh, something else uh, for sure. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, trying to defend the Ravens, not easy to do. But somehow uh, they were able to do it. You know, Lamar completed 13 passes. He had two interceptions. Uh, of course, the Ravens, um, their, their forte, where you have three guys carry between uh, 15 and 16 carries, but between Lamar, Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins. So um, they, they tried to do what they could. But, man, the Steelers, and I, I just don't think I expected this offense to be able to to do the things they're doing this season. Uh, I think maybe it's just because we watched them last season. We're like, oh, my goodness, even without Big Ben, this offense is terrible. But he comes back, and uh, they've been a different team and uh, have had some of these guys start to break out a bit on offense. All right, that leads us into, boy, the uh, just uh, sad state of affairs here with uh, the betting lock of the week, which was mine. I said going in, what am I doing? What am I thinking? Um, Clearly, I was not thinking because I picked the Browns as my betting lock of the week. It's just uh, it's, it's embarrassing because, again, I would like to repeat uh, my thought process on this was that the Browns were only two-and-a-half-point favorites. And so I figured, which I did, I picked the Browns to win. You picked the Browns to win. I said, okay, mm-hmm. if they win this game, probably by a field goal. So I was like, all right, this looks pretty good. Let's go with it. I'm doubling down here on the Browns. And what do you know? The Browns come out and lay an egg. They only score six points. The Raiders win at 16-6, to one of the ugliest games of the day, if not the yeah. ugliest game of the day, um, because the you know, the weather was not exactly cooperating. That's my problem. I didn't check the weather mm-hmm. in Cleveland uh, because I had been doing that for previous picks, and I got too excited uh, or either got uh, too down because um, I decided for some reason to pick the Browns. And looking back, why on earth I did not pick the Chiefs, I have no idea, but we'll uh, we'll get to that in a second. I still think picking the, the Browns was a reasonable pick for the game itself. And by the time it started, at least on ESPN's odds, which I believe are Westgate, the Browns were only favored by a point. Yeah. So the, the money was going to the Raiders, I guess. Um, the over-under was 47. Holy cow, did they miss yeah. that one. I I mean, it's a – we've talked about the Browns. They're 5-2. and two. Their, their schedule does line up really well for them still. But, man, it's just not a team we can trust. against. Even with the elements, they have been so dominant running the ball. And the Raiders going into this game 29th and run defense DVOA to not be able to really move the ball at all. On the flip side, the Raiders really ran the ball quite well. That was the only facet of any either team's offense that did anything well. Jacobs looked great. And just overall, yeah, 45 uh, rushing attempts by the team, including <laughs> – six by car yeah. just running away from pass rushers but it was a yeah like you said one of the sloppier uglier games obviously the weather played a part in that but the browns yeah, just again it's you know the defense did enough you know against the raider offenses put up a lot of points i i just can't get over the fact they did not stick to the run a bit more they only outside of mayfield runs they only ran the ball 16 times i just i feel like they with the elements especially gave up a little bit and weren't as efficient as i really anticipated I you know they should have won this game and uh not to take anything away from the Raiders maybe the you know they continue to find ways to win games now four and three 
definitely still in that in that uh, wild card conversation there in the AFC. But I, I just still watched that game and I was like, the Browns are better than this. Maybe they're not. Maybe this is still the peak of their team is eating really bad teams. Maybe they'll still sneak in the playoffs, but not really expecting a, a lot else from them. And you, you saw if you if you watched you know this game back in that Steeler Raven game, you really see the disparity between those two teams at the top of the AFC yeah. North. And I, we thought you know going into the year we didn't pick the Browns to make the playoffs, but we, you know we talked about them at least. On the on the periphery of of getting in, and now you know that still could happen, but they're definitely not as close to those top two teams as I had hoped going into the year. Yeah, pretty strange to see an NFL game uh, where both quarterbacks, neither one goes over 122 yards passing. Uh, but that was this game, and as we said, the weather certainly played a little bit of a, a role there. But uh, yeah. This was just uh, basically the Josh Jacobs show, and uh, he carried it 31 times for 120-something yards, 128 yards, mm-hmm. I think. And uh, so, yeah, not good for the Browns. Um, boy, what do you know? Can't trust the Browns. What, what do you know? <laughs> well, another team you can't trust. And, yes, we're uh, not talking about Dylan's betting lock of the week because uh, we were recording this before the Monday Night Football game. Between the Bucks and the Giants, uh, Dylan had his uh, betting lock as the Bucks at ten and a half there, which uh, that's another one I should have considered probably. Twelve uh, and a half now. <laughs> oh, what, what are you? How are you feeling about that at twelve and a half? A uh, little less certain, but I, I do think there's still a two touchdown victory here. Yeah. Um, but hey, that's why we made the we made the lock at ten and a half. Hopefully, right. that you're, uh, you're better at that point. That's what we do. We get the lines as quickly as we can, and uh, that's the goal here. So uh, there you go. If you want some betting advice, uh, you're probably listening to this. Uh, sorry, you can't bet on the game again. But uh, hopefully, uh, if you're just telepathically listening to our conversation, you're getting your bets in now. Uh, all right, another team you can't trust. And Dylan, I'm pretty happy about this one because uh, this is the biggest upset of the year uh, for us here on the show. In terms of uh, point spread-wise, I decided to go uh, and pick the Bengals, who were six-point underdogs at home against the Titans. I picked the Bengals straight up, and what do you know? The Bengals did not let me down. Uh, 31-20, to they beat the Titans here. And I can just tell you right now, from the very beginning of this game, as soon as this game started, I said, all right, I've seen this game before. Like, I'm like, I've seen this exact game. I've seen how this unfolds. I, I'm telling you, when this game, through one quarter, when it was 3 to nothing, Bengals, I'm like, this is it. Like, I don't even care. Like, the Titans are not coming back. I've seen this story before, um, and that's kind of what it was. You know, they went into the fourth quarter. The Titans only had seven points going into the fourth quarter. Uh, this was just, I hate to say it, but, like, this is one of those games that if you're someone that's followed the Titans – like this is those this is an add another one to the games that are always in the back of your mind when this team plays no matter what year it is no matter what the setup is it's like <laughs> I've seen this game before and that's what this felt like here because they just did not play well this defense is a mess we talked about it um you know they did yeah. make a trade to try to help that but at the same time Man, this is just one of those games. I know the Titans are probably going to look back on and say, what happened here? Our defense was so bad at this point. Uh, and Joe Burrow, I mean, give him credit. I mean, he pretty much did what he wanted against this team. Uh, and he spread the wealth around, had a lot of guys get involved. Um, this was a really good win for the Bengals, but uh, no other way to put it. This was not a good loss uh, for the Titans. No, it was brutal. They they, for, they only forced three punts the entire game, but the last one comes after the, the Bengals basically run out the final six minutes of the game. 
They, yeah, that's the, that's the Achilles heel for the Titans. We talked about it going into the year. The offense still is putting up great numbers. And this game ran the ball insanely well. If you look at the average yards per carry, uh, they still threw pretty well, even if it wasn't the most beautiful uh, performance by Tannehill in the passing game. But Corey Davis, fantasy owners, have to be, feel pretty good about what he was able to do. Yep. But, yeah, man, it, it was a weird kind of game in terms of, yeah, the defense just couldn't get a stop. It wasn't even just that, though. They couldn't there – was no, there was a few plays, obviously. Joe Burrow made some insane uh, – looking like Russell Wilson, avoiding everyone, <laughs> not getting sacked, making – just being who he is at this point. But really, for a lot of the game, there was there was no point where they really felt stressed, I feel like. When, you, when the Bengals had the ball, they felt like they were in control, and that's not – even for how, you know, how impressed we are with Joe Burrow this season – um, that's not something we've been able to say consistently for them. Yeah. So that's not a great sign for the Titans now. And again, they've, they, they're five and two and they've won some of these really close games, but every game, even when they lose is really close. This one, the fact it wasn't quite as close. They tried to make it, uh, you know, they got in within striking distance late, but then of course the defense let them down again. It's a, I, and it's a thing for with the Titans where I feel, yeah, as you pretty predicted, this is kind of what we've seen from them. I still have hope for them because of how good their offense is. Uh, I think they'll bounce back from this and have better performances. But the Bengals def- and the Bengals defense has improved definitely this, at this point in the season compared to years past. So I'm not completely discounting who they played against, but it is a concern for me in terms of when we get to the postseason. And it was the same thing that happened last year. You know, the offense got hot and they did enough to get to that championship game against the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, the defense still is not a complete enough unit for me to really consider them in the top tier in the AFC. Well, let's be honest. If you're going to get to 9-7, and seven, this is one of those games you got to lose. So um, the Titans <laughs> didn't have a choice, maybe. They're going to get to that point. So uh, this was one of those you got to lose to get to 9-7. and seven, So uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, in all seriousness, not a good loss for the Titans. Uh, but a nice win for the Bengals. And uh, you're feeling pretty good right now if you're a Bengals fan, even though you're 2-5-1. Um, you feel pretty good, I think, about the future of this team, especially on offense. Um, all right, the other upset pick of the week. Did not go so well. Um, as uh, you picked the 49ers to upset the Seahawks, uh, Seahawks were three-point favorites going into this one. But it was the Seahawks who got the win, 37-27. Of course, uh, when you look at this game, um, you know you, you kind of say, all right, pretty much controlled by the Seahawks for most of the game. Uh, I know the Niners scored 20 points in the fourth quarter, but uh, Russell Wilson just doing his thing, man. And now, we, as we know, with the Seahawks, you can plug in anybody at running back, and they're going to get in the end zone somehow. Um, that's what happened with uh, with DJ Dallas and uh, man DK Metcalf, Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and DK Metcalf. I mean, what do you what do you say? I, I can remember back like, are we talking about this before like the draft? And and people were kind of picking apart DK Metcalf. Some of the things like, man, this guy is so physical. I mean, he's just a physical specimen, but. We're worried about this, and maybe there's certain things with that. My goodness, this guy is just incredible. And, of course, it helps having, you know, the league MVP and Russell Wilson um, at quarterback. But at the same time, I mean, it's just this was another nice win for the Seahawks. But as we know, Dylan, uh, for the Niners, they may be sitting here at 4-4. Four and four, But, mm-hmm. man, the team they filled uh, this upcoming week against the Packers, assuming that that game um, has not had any switches. Now yeah. we're back to that point where things could be adjusted due to some of these mm-hmm. tests. Uh, but assuming that this game is played as normal, uh, this 49ers team the rest of the season could look a little bit different. Yeah, it's going to be tough for them. I, you know, I was really encouraged by what we saw the last couple of weeks. Obviously, the dominant win over the Patriots, but also the victory over the Rams. They just seemed like the defense was figuring it out. And obviously, the Seahawks are a much bigger challenge than most uh, <laughs> offenses you're going to face. Uh, but I, I, 
it, it was a, it was more on the other side of the ball on offense for the Niners where I did not anticipate them uh, looking that bad for large stretches. Obviously, Nick Mullins put up some pretty nice numbers if you look at the, the stat sheet by the end of the game, but those were, you know, at that point, Seattle was just playing kind of a base defense, letting them do whatever they wanted. I was shocked that they didn't run the ball better against Seattle. 22 rushes for 52 yards, that is not – that's not something I anticipated coming into this game. I really thought San Francisco would be able to run the ball at will against Seattle. It did not happen. So credit to Seattle, who really, I think about it, and they're probably over the last two years, their best three defensive performances are all three games they played against the Niners. Yeah. They put together some of their best plays, especially in that first half, really keeping them you know, in the game when Seattle's offense wasn't exactly dominant. That Seattle kind of uh, took it to another gear in the second half and you know scored um, three straight possessions only had one punt and had you know scored four times it was ridiculous in that second half how dominant they became and yeah you talk about Metcalf it worked out well for me and at one of my leagues I have Metcalf going up against Tyler Lockett Tyler Lockett only five targets Metcalf 15 really <laughs> saved me that that fantasy game I'm within striking distance now so couldn't could not say enough about how uh, happy I was <laughs> watching DK I was just sitting there not even worried about the outcome just watching that guy just dominate he was insane they could not do anything to defend him uh you know just really fun to watch him and now we get to think about you know for seattle if their defense can just be fine like they don't have to be fantastic because they continue every game even their one loss they score 34 points they continue to score over 30 points every single game i think the only one they didn't was the one point went over the vikings if their defense can just be good enough uh, it takes them to a level that i again i've been really worried about their defenses there Achilles so uh, more so uh, even than the Titans really but obviously having Russell Wilson plays a big role and you being worried about anything the guy finds a way to get it done we'll see about that defense still got some time to make some more deals I guess before the deadline but you know uh, hopefully it works out with Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams coming back yep and then for the Niners uh Super Bowl curse man the the loser's curse just continues here um as uh probably at this point uh if you know the injuries to jimmy g and george kittle are significant it seems at this mm-hmm. point right now um that is probably going to limit you would think uh, this team's ability to get back to the playoffs uh given uh, some of the strength there certainly in the division um just uh yeah it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens moving forward with them but before we get into our picks uh for the quick pick games uh, that we put together here uh, this past week let's talk to you about uh, our friends over at indeed because uh, even though sports had a break your business did not you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever and indeed is here to help indeed.com the number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts plus indeed provides powerful tools to make your job search that much easier just like sponsored jobs which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire with 73 percent of online job seekers visiting indeed each month indeed is going to get you the important hire you need just like they have for over three million businesses Right now, Indeed, offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere, so go right now. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
All right, the Falcons and the Panthers. Uh, man, you just can never figure out the Falcons, can you? We both picked the Panthers here. Falcons won the game. Uh, again, we usually don't spend much time on Thursday night game, but uh, this was one where we shouldn't be surprised. I think the, the Falcons are, are definitely the George Costanza here now where uh, you always do the opposite when it comes to them. If you think they're going to win, uh, pick them to lose. Uh, if you think they're going to lose, pick them to win because uh, that's that's the Falcons at this point. Yeah, I don't really know what you're going to get week to week. I mean, they, I guess they could be four and four or something, you know, yeah. a little more uh, reasonable based on how they've actually played. They weren't as bad as that one and six record going into this game. The Panthers probably more accurate of their uh, their record at three and five. A team that has a lot of good things going for it, but in this game they got behind on the chains more than you'd uh, you'd hope. Two for ten on third down, just it was kind of ugly for large portions. Obviously that. That uh, really bad hit to uh, Teddy uh, Bridgewater was not uh, one of the highlights. So luckily, you know, he's able to come back into the game. That did not look good initially, one of the dirtier hits we've seen. But, yeah, I mean, they ran the ball pretty well. They just didn't really stick to it. it just, again, they got behind them. They'd be moving the ball looking fine for the Panthers. And then uh, one little thing that would happen here and there. And the Falcons' defense, yeah, definitely one of their best performances we've seen. And that's not really saying much, but, you know, hey, the, the Panthers have put up some uh, good amount of points and some really good teams this year. So, uh, like you said, the Falcons are just not a team that uh, I, I'm going to be able to predict well. If I if I predict their games right moving forward, I'll take uh, getting lucky because, yeah, they're one of the teams I just have a hard time <laughs> putting my uh, thumb down on. Yeah, don't be don't be betting your money on the Falcons. Uh, if we haven't made that clear through halfway through the season, uh, just be sure uh, to make sure to stay away from the Falcons uh, in your betting because you won't know part of them. Well, another team. This is our turn. If you're listening to the podcast, do, do us a favor. Turn your volume all the way up. Uh, because we want to get the good venting here from Dylan on this one uh, because I feel like he's going to give a good rant for this next game we go into. The Dolphins, uh, America's team at this point, um, on, playoff bound. They're 4-3. and three. Yes. Um, well, Listen, I was kind of joking early in the season when we talked about the Dolphins having a chance to win this division, uh, even if not. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling good about where they're at right now because – they get a 28 to 17 win against the Rams. Um, they scored all 28 of their points in the first half. They score. I just can't even believe this is actual. Yeah. This actual stat here. Um, mm-hmm. One minute and 17 seconds. They had a fumble return for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown. Um, that was your game right there. Um, Jared Goff had to throw the ball 61 times. That is the craziest stat of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. If you had told me the Rams were going to have to throw the ball 61 times against the Dolphins and they would still lose by double digits. And the fact that Tua did not even throw for 100 yards, uh, just what a what an absurd game this was here. Yeah, the Rams are lucky the Dodgers just won the World Series because <laughs> I, I didn't really have that much uh, energy to get that upset over anything sports-wise at this point <laughs> after that. So, But, no, in terms of the game itself, very, very odd, as you mentioned. The Rams become – I forgot exactly who tweeted this, but the second team in NFL history to lose a game where they had 450 – plus yards on offense and allowed less than 150 to their opponent. They had 31 first downs to the Dolphins eight defense played amazing without Jalen Ramsey. This was not able to play and the defense just did everything they could. They essentially gave up just seven points. uh, If you don't count the the one uh, fumble that got returned to the one yard line and those seven points they did give up were on another interception where the Dolphins took over around the 30. So, 
did everything right. The Rams could have basically just ran the ball every play and just punted and probably been fine. Obviously, of course, there was the one punt return. TD and Grant did a great job on that. The Rams, I will say, the coverage did not look uh, exquisite by any means. No. So uh, they, it was a little. I mean, it was a great punt, but man, they got to get a little bit better with uh, the coverage. But overall, yeah, it's a game still. You look back and it's still staggering that they lost. They still could have obviously come back and won. Um, but I just think it got away from them so fast. I mean, they're up 7-0, kind of tried to go high, to, uh, you know, fast tempo, throw the pick immediately. They just never adjusted to the Dolphins basically just saying, we're going to make Jared Goff beat at you. We're going to bring six, seven guys against you. If you have five blockers, we're going to bring six. If you have six, we're going to bring seven. They didn't really care, and it worked every single time. They were not able to adjust. And the Rams early on were running the ball quite well. They sh- probably should have stuck to it. Uh, but, hey, I mean, this is – it's 2020, I guess. I don't really know what to say about this other than for the Rams. Hopefully, a good thing to have a bye week. It's not, you know, maybe you want to come back the next week and uh, get a better feeling in your mouth. I think they need a second to just look back at this game, reevaluate who they are because they ran the – they're one of the better, more efficient teams running the ball, number one DVOA going into the week against the Dolphins defense, which, hey, has been better. I, I think they're giving up the least amount of points in the NFL – um, so far per game now after this one, there was a stat I saw on Twitter, but they're 32nd in run defense DVOA. The game plan just made no sense to not go to go away from the run to try to speed it up. I know the Rams like to do that, but in this instance, you got to play to your strengths, their weaknesses, and I just feel like the Rams did not identify that with the game plan. It's, it's frustrating for sure. Yep, uh, for sure, and uh, as we said, the Dolphins, uh, man, they are they're in second place uh, in the – AFC East, and they are chasing the Buffalo Bills, who took another step towards winning this division uh, with a 24-21 win against the now 2-5 and New England Patriots. Um, Patriots offense, we said at one of the games, it's just not good. Uh, I guess the the bright spot uh, for them is that Damian Harris did look pretty good here, and so maybe they've finally figured out a situation where they're not having to play eight different running backs. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like Damian Harris is the guy, and at least that's something they can build on, but Cam struggling. Um, you know, the Bills, I didn't think the Bills were look great in this game, but they found a way to win. That's all that matters. Um, you know, again, you, you beat the Patriots with uh, Josh Allen only completing 11 passes. Um, just, a, just a weird statistical day in the mm-hmm. NFL with some of these. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's a win for the Bills. And as we said, uh, pretty much uh, going to take uh, a big effort from the Dolphins probably. Uh, because right now I just don't think you're seeing anyone challenging the Bills in this division. Yeah, it, all three teams of the, outside of the Jets, you don't even have to really you know think yeah. about them. Yeah. These other three teams, all of them have certain things they've done well, uh, but I wouldn't say even the Bills, yeah, the Dolphins at two at the right now in first and second have really impressed so much. I guess the one good takeaway for the Bills is they're able to, with Josh Allen struggling again, he struggled against the Jets last week and is struggling again here, still able to get the job done. Uh, and find a way to win. They ran the ball the best we've seen them run all season. We kind of talked on the last podcast about how New England's defense really just not even close to where it was a year ago. Uh, I mean, last year, obviously, they were so good for large stretches of the season, but they're not even – they're down towards the bottom uh, quarter of the NFL. So that does not help by any means and also makes it a little (laughs) more frustrating, I guess, looking at the Bills and I feel like they should have done even more in this game and been able to win way more comfortably than having to rely on Cam fumbling with, you know, 40 seconds left. Otherwise, we're at least going to overtime there at the end. So for Buffalo, hey, you get the victory. New England now 2-5. and five. It's, I guess it's the AFC. You could look at it that way and be like, maybe they still have a shot to get back into it. Cam, at certain points, played a little better, but still 
struggling overall. I think, yeah, like you said, they ran the ball so really well um, on, uh, for New England. So that, I mean, obviously with the weather, both teams kind of had to adapt their game plans. That's part of it. Uh, still for New England, I just, <laughs> it's just lacking. There's, it's not the, you know, they're able to throw a little bit better, but the run game isn't going to be enough. Uh, if their defense cannot play better than this. And, it, yeah, <laughs> the Buffalo wins, it feels like it should be. Like I, last year they, they had a chance and it felt like they were going to maybe take, overtake New England uh, finally to win the division. They weren't able to do it, still got in the playoffs. But you feel like they were going to be like a like a defining like win. Uh, yeah. How do I even – like? I think about when the Rams first won the NFC West in 2017. They had, I think, week 16 to clinch the division, just a dominant performance against the Seahawks, kind of a defining like changing of the guard moment i was hoping for that maybe in this game didn't really deliver but at least you know it's still a win's a win and they're still in first place and like you said with the dolphins i'm not really sure what to expect from them one week their defense looks amazing you know they their offenses look better than they did against the rams so i mean maybe the dolphins have a shot this but it really does feel like the bills division to lose i just don't know beyond that what what are the expectations maybe that's enough for the 2020 season maybe they're looking further down the road but because, uh, yeah, just uh, right now they're not as complete as some of the uh, those top three teams that I think about in the Ravens, the Steelers, and the, the Chiefs at the top of the conference. Yeah, don't really look like a Super Bowl contender, and uh, I think you can probably kind of slot that division in somewhat similar, although, uh, as we know, we'll get to our, our friends in the, uh, the NFC East in a minute, but uh, at least the AFC East has a team that – you know, has won six games at this point. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the division overall, as we said, not not great right now. Um, the Lions are also not great, and uh, yet I somehow still picked them to win this game. Uh, they get beat 41-21 to by the Colts, uh, who just pretty much did what they wanted on offense. Uh, Phillip Rivers, uh, it looked like it was, like it was 15 years ago, Phillip Rivers uh, throwing the ball around here. Three touchdowns, 262 yards. Uh, on the day, and uh, man, it was just uh, the Lions are just another one of those teams. Like week to week, you have no idea what you're getting from the Lions. Um, you know, Kenny Galladay's injury probably didn't help matters here, but uh, overall, yeah. this was just you know, Matt Patricia's came in as a as a defensive guy, and uh, well, they just gave up 41 points at home to a Colts offense that's pretty good, by the <laughs> way. Like I just want to point that out. Like I actually think the Colts offense at times has not gotten enough credit. Uh, because they just have so many different guys, seemingly. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, think mm-hmm. about this, like, as a Jonathan Taylor fantasy owner. They scored 41 points here, and he had 11 carries for 22 yards. And, like, that was it. <laughs> like, I mean, he didn't really do anything. But, yet Jordan Wilkins carried it 20 times. Uh, you had, of course, Naeem Hines had two receiving touchdowns. Like, they just, they've got a pretty versatile group there uh-huh. on offense. And uh, it's been it's been pretty impressive for them here in this 5-2 and two start. Yeah, and I think in this game they did a, a lot of really good self-scouting going into it. I think they kind of fell into something we've seen happen with the Patriots in past years where when James White was on the field, we knew they were going to be passing it. When uh, Rex Burkhead or um, or uh, Sony Michelle was on the field, we knew they were going to be running the ball, basically. That kind of was happening a bit with Hines and Wilkins and uh, throwing the ball, and then with Taylor, it was always clear to the defense they were going to run, and sure enough, the Lions keyed in on it. But, hey, they gave 20 carries to Jordan Wilkins in this game, and when he was running, yeah, a lot a lot more lanes are sitting back expecting the pass. So good job from them to kind of take advantage of uh, Detroit basically probably thinking they're going to be throwing most of those times. Obviously, some of those were also a tribute to what was one of the biggest uh, trending kind of jokes about Philip Rivers being one of the best swing passers in the NFL. The man was just 
throwing these little yeah. these little floaters right on the money, right in stride to get to guys a couple times. Uh, so I mean that worked out well for them. Uh, but yeah, I mean this is kind of what I expect from the Lions. They're, they still move the ball okay at points, but. Uh, not expecting them to be a, a winning team. They ran the ball absolutely terribly in this game. Uh, it was, I mean, the Colts are, again, they're still, despite uh, some of the struggles week to week, they're still ranking uh, in the top five in, in DVOA on defense. That was kind of why I picked them to win this game. I just felt like they're, even if they haven't been as impressive as I hoped going into the season, they haven't been the, uh, that team that could kind of get in that upper echelon we, as we keep talking about these AFC teams. I don't know if they're quite there. But they have the pieces, and like you're saying, yeah, the offense has a lot of different fun things. Definitely trust Frank Reich. So they, we'll see as as we get into November now. This is a time where they've had a lot more time together. Maybe we'll see the Colts kind of take off. Obviously, I'm not going to take too much from a win over the Lions. Maybe we'll learn some more things next week. A lot bigger, uh, much bigger test when they play the Ravens on Sunday. Yep, that should be an interesting one for sure. Because as we said, the Colts have looked pretty good at times. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, there with them. All right, NFC North showdown here. As we said, uh, there was a reason why we didn't pick the Packers as our lock of the week, even though we, we threw it around a bit, because we knew that these these weird divisional games, when you play a team for the second time, you can get some pretty strange results. And speaking of statistical days, this game was all about Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams. Like, that was it. Mm. Like, these two guys scored all the touchdowns here. And uh, yeah. as a proud Devontae Adams fantasy owner in every league I'm playing in, um, it was nice to see that. Uh, <laughs> of course, had I went against Dalvin Cook in either of those leagues, uh, I would have been a little, probably a little bit more upset uh, <laughs> because uh, this guy is just, uh, man, he four touchdowns. Uh, the Vikings get the 28-22 to 22 win. You talk about, like, this was almost a day where we talk about the Titans, the Bills, like some of these other teams. Rams, yeah. Yeah, Rams. Like, these teams you really think you're starting to figure out. And you're like, all right, let's full steam ahead with these guys. Then they lose games like this. And uh, it's just, it's it's got to be frustrating. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that this one is necessarily along the lines of some of those others just because. Yeah. We knew the Vikings should be much better than the record, and mm-hmm. we knew at some point things were going to click for them. And you go back to the first two, the first game these two teams played, it was very high scoring, um, and I think we knew there were some things that the Vikings could at least try to exploit there. Um, so I'm willing to let this be a game for the Packers that I don't necessarily say, uh-oh, I'm worried about the Packers now, uh, and maybe just because the Vikings are starting to figure some things out. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, the Vikings are a much better team than that record. But also when Dalvin Cook plays, my fantasy team's also much better when Dalvin <laughs> Cook plays. Clearly, uh, yes. compared to missed him a lot in some of these games, he's uh, at least missed last week. But yeah, man, he was just electric. And the, the Packers, it's it's kind of similar. It's starting to be similar to last year. The offense, I still believe, is better than a, a year ago. Definitely getting into better third down situations, a little more, uh, you know, throwing the ball early and able to, to take advantage of what other teams are getting giving to them. But you kind of saw they, as much as they have been able to make it work with uh, their weapons, I, I think on especially Aaron Jones, I know we talk about running backs in the Valley, these guys, but you see the difference in the Vikings offense when they have Dalvin Cook, and you see the difference in the Packers offense when they have uh, Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams filled in great, and he's, you know, proving uh, that he should be the number two guy there in Green Bay. He's had some past seasons, some injuries and different things, but he's always been a really solid player. But Aaron Jones gives you just a different dynamic that is their offense just looks different without him. Obviously, Devontae Adams can do all he can. They have other guys that continue to step up. Tanya continues to get a lot of uh, targets um, for them. But, man, I yeah, it's 
I just worry about the, the defense still. I mean, 28 points isn't a huge figure, but in that first half, which was kind of one of the weirder first halves in, in terms of just how simple it was, it was <laughs> the teams each had the ball twice and had two touchdown drives, and it was just like just long, time-consuming drives, no yeah. punts, nothing, nothing crazy there. And that's what you, you feel like teams can run the ball in the Packers. They can, if they can control the clock and make, keep it close, they have a shot. And, yeah, I mean, the, the Packers still probably could have won this game. Obviously, they had the ball right there in the last minute, but they had a couple turnovers on downs where you felt like they could have scored more, done more things. So, I, like you said, I don't put this kind of in a completely wacky situation like that Rams game where you're talking about a team that outgained another team by 300 yards and lost. Like, this was way more evenly matched. And, again, the Vikings aren't as bad as a record. So we'll see how the Packers bounce back on this short week, again, if that game is played now that A.J. Dillon is in the, the COVID-19 uh, protocol. And, we'll see, yeah, we'll see how they bounce back here. But, again, so really, obviously, the Niners, not the not the opponent they would have been, I feel like, if Kittle and uh, Garoppolo weren't going to be out. Yeah, it's a little bit different than the uh, NFC title game last year, I think, mm-hmm. uh, with this one. At least it should. Um, speaking of uh, teams that, uh, well, just are, are pretty good. That's the Chiefs. Like, they're pretty good. Uh, we know that. But we also know the Jets are not good. And um, the Chiefs got the 35-9 to win. As we said, I don't know why. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, you know, two two weeks in a row now, losing the, uh, the lock of the week. And uh, I should have just went back to the formula of staying with the Jets. Because even at 19-and-a-half or whatever it was, Man, I should have went with this one, uh, but that's all right. We'll get back on track this week uh, with uh, the Chiefs and the Jets here, and uh, man, just picking against the Jets, that's that's the new motto, because as we saw here, I know this game felt a little bit competitive uh, early, but um, I think we all knew that it was going to get to this destination. Patrick Mahomes, five touchdowns, um, I, I don't know, like, well, again, what, what do we gain from a, a game like this, I guess? Uh, you know, I mean, maybe the only gain is uh, the Jets kicker Castillo. Man, he was—I oh, yeah, mean, he boy. missed one, but he nailed a 55-yarder. Had some nice, yeah. nice kicks. Looks like the best player on the Jets at this point. But no, I just—yeah, nothing really. We're going to be uh, to gain from this. We we already know the Chiefs are one of the best teams in the NFL. We know the Jets are the worst team. I, I don't feel like I have to say one of the worst. I feel like they are the worst team yeah. in the NFL culturally, uh, <laughs> defense. I mean, offense. Like that, the defense you know, has been okay against the run at points, but they're still really bad. 28th in DVOA against the pass. You saw Mahomes do anything he wanted. Not that there are a lot of teams that are going to limit him. So, yeah, man, they, they didn't run the ball insanely well, as a lot of teams have it against the Jets, but it just doesn't matter when you have those weapons that the Chiefs do. And uh, just expect, I mean, this can't, yeah, I, I, we'll see what happens with the Bucks tonight. Uh, by the time anyone listens to this podcast, we'll know if I was able to fulfill my betting block. But I, I, I too, I'm looking back at this and it's like, Man, this 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 should have been an easy one to pick, even with that yeah. huge spread. Like it probably would have had to be like twenty one, twenty two for me to be like, no, like I still would have felt pretty comfortable. The Chiefs uh, were going to dominate this game. Yeah, well, we'll stay in the uh, the AFC West for this next one because you want to talk about on uh, brand, on brand here. Um, I was teasing about the Titans, and to an extent, it's not as bad, maybe, but. Oh, boy, the Chargers. I should have. I, we talked about it on the podcast. I picked the Broncos to win this game, and then at the last second I switched to the Chargers. Should not have done that because this was the most thrilling game of the day in terms of uh, how the game finished. Oh, boy, where do you even start here for the Chargers? They, they led uh, 27-17 with about eight minutes to go. 
and then they lose the game. Of course, at one point they were up twenty-one to three, twenty-four to three. Excuse me. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I don't know. This is just you talk about adding to a list here. Just just add this one to the list uh, for the Chargers because uh, this has just felt like a game they should have won. And uh, what do you know? They didn't. It's it's that's so Chargers, man. It's the mm-hmm. same the same thing we've been saying for you yep. know since we've done this podcast the last couple of years now. They find a way to lose games in different ways. I feel so bad for Justin Herbert, but hey, at least for Charger fans, I feel like you still have to be happy with him as your future quarterback. I don't think you know he throws a couple of picks, but overall, still feeling really good about what he was able to do. Uh, but otherwise, man, I mean, they ran the ball insanely well. They did a lot of things against the Denver defense, which has been much better than this. They have, you know, they're ranking seventh in DVOA. They have not been bad by any means. So for the Chargers to put up the points they did, they should have been an uh, easy win for them. Obviously, the, this is the Chargers, though, that we're talking about. They're on the road, and the defense to, that looked, you know, did their job, did everything right in the first, you know, first half. And obviously, even started the second half, they got a three and out uh, the first time they're on the field there in the third quarter. And, yeah, well, that's when the Chargers took that 24-3 lead from there. It was just brutal. They get the one pick. The, the Chargers, obviously, that was a big interception with a two-touchdown lead there by Herbert um, that kind of, that kind of swung the momentum a bit, but I still don't want to get, take away too much from him and also just point out this defense. You can't, ex- you can't expect uh, to win against the Broncos, a team that has one of the worst offenses in the NFL that's ranking right down there with the Jets at the bottom in DVOA and let them score three touchdowns in their last three possessions. It's just uh, inexcusable. It's sad, though, that the Chargers almost felt like when they, they kicked that last field goal to go up by six that – they almost need, I was watching, I'm like, they should, they need to try to score a touchdown. Yeah. They had a, I think it was a holding, some sort of penalty to, yeah. to bounce them back. And I was like, man, this, I mean, this is crucial. Like, sure, they, they could win now, but it just felt like they needed to, to slam the, the door on the, on the Broncos. Couldn't get it done. Obviously, it also comes down to just a bonehead PI. It was the right call, but it just wasn't really necessary at all. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the Charger way, man. I feel bad. But again, if, if you know, at this point you're kind of used to it, you're expecting it. It's the only, they're maybe one of the more consistent teams in the NFL, to be honest. They just consistently find a way to do this to their fans. <laughs> but uh, hey, you got Justin Herbert at least, and he's looking, again, better than I at least anticipated going into the season. Yeah, you got Justin Herbert. You got some good looking uniforms. You can build off that. <laughs> so um, there you go. At least you got that to look forward to here for the future. Um, the Bears. The Bears are going backwards here. They're five and three now after the loss to the uh, Saints, who get it the twenty six twenty three win in overtime. And that one, uh, my man Allen Robinson, I just I just want him to be traded. I want him to go somewhere and actually show <laughs> that he could be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL um, if given the chance. But uh, in all seriousness, I, I mean, you know, this was I don't the, the result we didn't expect to be much different. I mean, this was a good game, uh, probably maybe a little uh-huh. better than I thought it would be, but. At the same time, uh, this is another one for the Bears, too, where you're you're so close. You feel like you're right there with that opportunity. You even hit a field goal. I mean, you know, you actually make a field yeah. goal late in a game, and you're like, man, we've got all this mojo, and then uh, you still wind up losing. Yeah, it's just the offense. It's tough to trust them. The defense did what it could. I, I mean, they still give up 26 points by the end of it, but I thought they stepped up really well against the Saints. Uh, you know, kept them – they went – the Saints – Went two and thirteen on on third down. Obviously, both teams had a few big fourth down conversions, especially the Bears ones that keep them in the game. But I, it's just it's still that offense for Chicago. There'll be flashes, yeah, like you say, like Allen Robinson, insanely good. Made some 
amazing plays. Mooney really has stepped up well, and uh, he's looked really good for them. Uh, Anthony Miller still not as consistent, but I, I think they have some decent little pieces going on here, but it's like Nick Foles, one throw is great, and the next play it's like maybe there's only so much he can do at a certain point, too, with how that offensive line has been uh, not just – played uh, badly, but they're they're just so banged up. You have backups getting injured now, and it's getting to the point where it reminds me a little bit of how bad the Rams offensive line got late in the year last year with just all the injuries that pile up. You, it's really hard when you already are struggling to, to move the ball to just have backups. You know, you already have your starter down, now the backup's down, and just cause a lot of chaos for them on that side of the ball. I don't know what to think about Chicago. Like their schedule, we've kind of looked at it. It's not awful, but – uh, there, once there's going to be some odd, odd team out here. Obviously, not everyone maybe in the NFC West is going to make it. You think about the Saints and the Bucks feeling like both of them are going to get in. It's just getting, and even though the Packers lose, they're still. It feels like that that's still their division to lose. So I don't know. We'll see with what see what the Bears can do. They still have those five wins in their pocket, but you know the, those two games against the Vikings maybe don't look as. Uh, uh, guaranteed wins maybe as they may have before. The Vikings are looking a lot better. And I, I just don't know what to think about this offense for the Bears. The defense, again, has bounced back. They've looked great. Um, but I, I just don't trust them being able to move the ball consistently enough, and we'll, we'll see how they uh, perform next week against another inconsistent team, a, a pretty bad defense in the Titans. So maybe this will be their chance to, yeah. to do something there with Nick Foles and company. Yeah, we'll see. But uh, I'll tell you this. I don't know that I've seen a team win by two touchdowns and just do it in one of the most excruciating ways ever, uh, it seemed, with this Eagles-Cowboys game. We expected nothing less. The Eagles went 23-9, to but the Eagles' offense just was not good um, outside mm-hmm. of, you know, my guy, Boston Scott, and then, of course, uh, I mean, the wide receiver game right now, like for the Steelers, we, I mean, excuse me, for the Eagles, um, you know, they just, uh, we know, like, the injury situation and everything, and Carson Wentz did not have his best game. Um, you know, no. 123 yards and two interceptions. And he did, did have two touchdowns. He got sacked four times. But against this Cowboys defense, it's like, my goodness. This was this was probably everything we expected from this game, to be honest with you. Like, you get uh, two late touchdowns, uh, but uh, or two touchdowns in the second half. But aside from mm-hmm. that, there just wasn't a whole lot to take away from here other than the fact that we know the Cowboys are bad. And uh, quite frankly, I think the Eagles still aren't great, even after watching this game. <laughs> Yeah, somehow after watching that Giants-Eagles Thursday night game, this and I thought that was like the pinnacle of NFC mm. East play. And really this game, for me, topped it until you, obviously that crazy uh, touchdown on the fumble return, questionable fumble call there against the Cowboys. Um, out, out, apart from that, though, it was, it was still at least a close game, but it was just so ugly. It was like – it's just really hard to – again, I keep saying, like, he needs to – I know it's the, this division has so much history and these rivalries and everything, and that's why these games are always in prime time. But it's just so brutal to, to put this and be like, this is the – here's our premier game of the week. Go watch that. And obviously the, we know the NFL is a lot better to offer as a collective than what we saw in this game. Not a ton to take away. Poor Ben DiNucci having to throw the ball 40 times. That is not something that should be happening. I don't care how – uh, badly you're running the ball. <laughs> just keep running the ball. It's just not gonna it's not gonna work with someone else. Both teams I mean Dallas man, like what do I don't even I yeah, the Eagles might win this division by default. I know it's, at this point, yeah, I'm looking at them and, and Washington as the two teams as sad as it is, but for the Cowboys it's like what where do you even go from here? I don't even no, I don't like I, like is like is this maybe this is being too forward and I know that I don't think this is something that 
Jerry Jones would do. But do you like at this? Uh, they're two and six. But what, what what has to happen for you as a as the Cowboys organization if you're someone higher up to feel confident that Mike McCarthy is the right guy? You know, for the future, maybe maybe this isn't all on him, but it certainly feels like some of it is on him. Obviously, the injuries. There's only so much he can control. But even before these last few weeks. I don't know what's happening. This is yeah. it's it's They're beyond anything I expected, and uh, yeah, there's some some issues obviously with personnel, but there the, it's it's just brutal to watch. It's one of the they're one of the more just teams that makes me just dip, like just a, it's like a bummer to watch them play, and you feel like the sadly the Eagles, you know, they kind of are on that level, but at least you see some fight from them and uh, some belief. I don't know, man. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think three and thirteen or four and twelve is a realistic possibility at this point. Let's just run down their schedule quickly. Steelers, home next week. That's a that's a loss. Mm-hmm. At the Vikings, no. At home against Washington, that's a swing game right there. Even though at this point, I would probably favor Washington. Yeah, I would favor Washington. Um, yeah. At the Ravens, nope. Uh, at the Bengals, nope. No. Home against the Niners, maybe depending on where the Niners are injury wise, and then home against the Eagles and at the Giants. So really, the last three games of the season. I think those are some swing games here, and of course the game against Washington. But I don't know, man. Like I, four and twelve, I think is a realistic possibility at this point. And, and again, like you said, I think entries certainly have played a role. Uh, but man, they're just not good. And uh, no. so we'll see how they're able to bounce back. But twenty-two points past three weeks—that's um, that's not going to cut it, probably. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with that division. But uh, it continues. So let's get the real team back on the field here with Washington. Uh, please, I uh, never thought we'd be saying that. <laughs> Excited to see Washington, who could be the cream of the yes. crop in the NFC East. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, let's talk about a little waiver wire action before we wrap up. Um, you know, this is uh, this is that point in the season where you're starting to make your moves. We've said it before. Um, Dylan and I both trying to make our move here in the Clutch Points League. Um, but uh, you got you got to start thinking ahead with some of these teams if you're starting to prepare for the playoffs, uh, all of that. You got to you got to look ahead. You got to start really looking at matchups here, um, and not just matchups for the for the upcoming week, but for the weeks ahead. Now, of course, if you're in a situation where you're in a must-win mode, you better just be going all in every single week. But um, otherwise, you look ahead. And Dylan, I see some guys. I'm gonna give you my top three here for the week. I think Marvin Jones is an obvious one because Kenny Galladay could be on injured reserve. The Lions' defense, as we said, not good. They're going to have to pass the ball a lot. So Marvin Jones, I think he's a no-brainer for sure. Um, Alan Lazard, who has, as we know, has been dealing with an injury. Seems like he's getting ready to return. Very low ownership. Um, Unfortunately, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I I cut him in our clutch points league. I just, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... Devontae Adams, we know, is the man, but Al Lazard, we've seen that connection with Aaron Rodgers, so he's the other one. And then Naheem Hines, um, you know, like we said, I know the Colts have a lot yeah. of options, but if you're in a PPR scenario, I would pick up him all day, every day, because he's clearly getting work, and he clearly is turning it into scores. So uh, those are three guys I would certainly keep my eye on here. Yeah, in terms of uh, to not repeat too many, I look at it, there. There's some decent receiving options, not in maybe your deeper leagues, but in that that kind of range where these guys are rostered around 40%. You see, Mike Williams had a, a great performance, a lot of targets. I think his chemistry with Herbert and they're just a, the ability to throw the ball in general. How much they're going to have to keep throwing as a team. I feel like if you somehow can pick him up, that's a great one. Also, Curtis Samuel with the, the Panthers, obviously have, this is just going off this one big week, but overall they're using him in so many unique ways. He's being used just as a straight-up running back. I guess that might 
uh, kind of diminish a bit when we uh, when we see uh, McCaffrey come back on the field. It kind of maybe he's filling in for some of those plays there. But uh, one intriguing guy for sure. Looking at the quarterbacks, it's it's a little less, it's a little more dicey. Yeah, There's not, not I mean, like week to week, you're not going to you know count on Philip Rivers consistently no. putting out points, especially with how they run the ball. Um, Teddy did not look fantastic this weekend. He was kind of a popular pickup and just, uh, you know, that's harsh against the Falcons team. It made sense to add up. Jared Goff's kind of in that same range. And I'm like, I, I don't feel like those are all great guys. If, if there's if there's someone in your league that has two, two really good quarterbacks, which we have a couple in our clutch points league, who I'm definitely going to be targeting for a trade, I think there, there might be some uh, trade options maybe if you're in need of a QB at this point. In terms of the running backs, yeah, I mean, I just don't really know what Dobbins at this point, if you can be that uh, sure of his uh, workload week to week. I think, like you said, Hines is definitely a great option in terms of uh, just, especially in PPR leagues. He's 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 getting a little more consistent targets out of the guys that are available. I think Damian Harris, obviously, yeah, uh, his usage, and I think it's just trending upward in terms of him being uh, more reliable. DJ Dallas there, also in Seattle. You got some guys that are, clearly going to have more opportunities, even uh, depending on how long Gus Edwards, or sorry, uh, Mark Ingram struggles to be on the field. And I think Gus Edwards, even over Dobbins, it just seems like he's more of the, the regular for them. Uh, the easy one, though, Zach Moss. I know yes. uh, Devin Singletary got a lot of carries, but Zach Moss looks like he's becoming the guy, uh, especially in the in the red zone. So we'll see. Uh, I, he's someone to monitor. Maybe you're not starting him yet, but if you pick him up, there's a chance with Buffalo, uh, especially with, with Josh Allen playing how he has the last couple of weeks. They, they've been running the ball more and more efficiently, uh, even against teams that are decent run defenses. So uh, I would just, he's a guy to, to possibly, you know, by week 11, 12, he might be just a clear number one running back. And that could be a real difference maker for sure. Yep. Could be. So there are some options uh, for the waiver wire for this week. Like you said, elsewhere, you know, there there's some interesting picks. Quarterbacks, it's just I don't know, man. It's just it's not great. Um, but like you said, you should have most of your quarterbacks uh, already ready. You should have a couple on your roster, um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, some good options uh, with uh, the running backs, wide receivers, uh, more so the wide receivers. There's a lot of good options mm-hmm. out there. And and as always, remember the uh, the golden rule: uh, defense. If you're looking for a defense, who plays the Jets? That's uh, yep. number one on your top priority list for the week. <laughs> and if you're just looking for any offensive players in general, um, that is probably the formula that will lead you to fantasy football success this season. All right, but that wraps up this episode of the podcast and uh, looking back at the action in week eight. But, Dylan, uh, we've got everything covered over clutch points with the NFL going on. Uh, of course, uh, we're into the off season now, uh, still with the NBA, MLB, but uh, lots of NFL stuff happening over clutch points. Yeah, especially with the trade deadline right now, you yep. follow all of our NFL coverage in the NFL, uh, part of the Clutch Points app, also at clutchpoints.com, the NFL section there. All of our fantasy content, we'll have our waiver wire pickups article, as well as a lot of uh, droppable lists, uh, uh, other, uh, you know, looking at stardom, sit kind of stuff based on this week's matchups. We'll have all of that if you search fantasy football on clutchpoints.com. And yeah, NBA, even though we don't know when free agency will happen, still a lot of rumors, a lot of things floating around. All of that you can find in the NBA section of the app. Uh, obviously, when NBA, whenever it's back, we'll have the games covered. You can follow all the NFL games for now and the NFL app. And, yeah, uh, excited to see how this uh, next couple of weeks go. Uh, made it halfway, basically, through the season. <laughs> uh, I'm not shocked, but definitely 
it's been rocky at certain points, so yep. hopefully we just keep chugging forward. Yep, uh, we will see uh, what happens there. And, uh, again, scheduling-wise, um, who knows, especially with Week 9. We'll talk more about that on the next episode of the podcast. But it seems like uh could be uh, some switching around a little bit. We'll see what happens there with that. Uh, all right, but, yeah, check out everything over at Clutch Points. And, uh, of course, as always, subscribe to the podcast, any podcast app you use. Uh, search for us on there. And uh, thanks again, as always, to the fine folks at Blue Wire for all that they do. And thank you, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Bass Podcast. All right, let's talk to you about Bet Online. Football back in full swing. You may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online, going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head over to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget, use that promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.